0: so you can succeed. If you're ready to join a community of other entrepreneurs redefining success and finding fulfillment, go to BeFulfilledLife.com and join the community. Now, let's dive into today's show. Hey, welcome to the Be Fulfilled podcast. Today's special guest, John Rulin. How are you?
1: I'm great, man. I'm excited to be here with you.
0: Hey, I just got to say, John, I've heard a lot and then I see you around with so many people that I know. I'm excited to deep dive in today and learn more about you personally, giftology, and kind of your, just your mission behind life. But before we do any of that question, everybody gets out the gate. What is your definition of success?
1: Yeah, I I have to steal it from somebody else. I heard it years ago and I don't know if it was Buffett or who it was, but basically the thought is that the people that are closest to you love and respect you the most. I think, you know, there's a lot of people influence, you know, in our day age of influencers and whatever else that have their name and lights and millions of followers. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you know, we, we out a platform with our business too, but, but I think, um, I want my wife and my three girls, we have a fourth little one. I'm not sure if it's a boy or a girl, on the way. And so I want those people and my business partners and my employees, the people that are closest to me to say, yeah, I'm, I, um, I love that guy. I would do anything for that guy and I respect who he is and, and who he serves and uh, what he's all about.
0: I like that. I, I, I can get behind that. I mean, I, I think the, what I just heard is somebody who's living out their legacy now, not someday for others to follow, but yet others will follow your legacy because you are living it in such a way right now, as we mentioned, kind of talking about you in your intro, the impact that you want to have on the world and the, the stuff that you've been able to do and the people you hang out with. I mean, I just want to say thank you for taking time, busy schedule, you're a busy guy. Tell me a little bit, like if you were to give me like the, just the glimpse or the cliff note version to get me kind of from your childhood till now, the simplest way that would tell me a little bit about who you are.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I'm not, I didn't grow up in a city. I didn't grow up on the coast. I grew up in the middle of the country, a farm boy. I grew up pretty simply, really. One of six kids, 47 acres, milking goats every morning, heating our house with wood, living off the land. We had a one-acre garden. My mom was pretty holistic. Before there was a Whole Foods in our area or any of that kind of stuff, you know, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, she was like shipping in vitamins from Nature Sunshine in Canada. And she, she came from the nursing background, but really was kind of like alternative holistic health on a, on a shoe, not even a shoestring budget, on more like a fishing wire budget. Like she could make, you know, a dollar go further than most people make a thousand dollars go. I mean, we had, you know, garage sale shopping, that kind of stuff. I was an overachiever. I'm a, I'm a kind of a yes guy and a pleaser. And I've always been able to kind of overachieve. I hated blue collar work. I hated picking beans and hoeing corn and splitting wood and all that. But I, I was also, you know, very driven. My parents were, you know, hardworking people and blue collar and and so, I was going to go make my mom proud and become like a D.O. or a chiropractor and went to a small Christian school in Ohio, Malone University. And that's really where the major pivot happened for me. Uh, outside of, from a faith perspective, accepting Christ when I was 16, that, uh, that was like the big pivot was starting a business in college and almost dying, falling off of a ladder and uh, looking for other opportunities and end up interning with Petco, the knife company out of desperation. Um, you talk a little was- bit
0: about desperation.
1: Growing up a farm boy, how, how quick did you want to get off the farm? As fast as possible. I got straight A's from the time I was in kindergarten till the time I was in 12th grade. Because I was like, I, I, I don't have money, but I figured if I can go be a doctor or a lawyer and get good grades, like that, that would my it out. And so, yeah, it, it's funny. Now I kind of romanticize it. And we're, My wife and three girls are talking about getting goats and chickens and different things to kind of go back to that. But it's more hobby play farming than – survival live off the farm and land because you have to it's more of a choice which you know it's like anything else when you choose to do it it's different than if you're forced into it so but yeah it was I hated it I hated you know 120 degree temperatures in the hay mile versus like going to Disney World or the swimming pool like my friends were like I it was miserable.
0: It reminds me of the scene uh in Star Wars when uh, Luke says to Uncle Owen like I just want to go to Tashi station and get some power converter. You know, all my friends are doing it. And you're like, but I need you like this one more season. You know, I like, just imagine just being that kid and all your friends are having fun. And you're not saying
1: that you didn't have fun, but it was different, right? Way different. Yeah. It's a great appreciation for the simple things of life. When, when going and swimming in a lake is like your, is that's like the summer vacation or the big highlight of the year. It's funny. Like a lot of the times that we're having challenges, I'm like, oh, that's, you know, that's, uh, that's first world problems. Oh, they only have white wine. Like, oh, I feel so bad for you. You know, like, it's amazing the things that it, like put in perspective really, really quickly even remind you, know you remember back to where you really came from. So you mentioned Cutco,
0: and I know that has a lot kind of to do a little bit kind of with where you're at today and some of the things that you learn along the way. Just talk a little bit about Cutco just so people who are, who are listening get to know a little bit about it because not everybody's heard of it.
1: Yeah, so I didn't know about it either when I, I, when I found out my buddy was selling it. He was like a seminary major was the antithesis of salespeople and he was selling these thousands of dollar knife sets and I was like, if Steve Wiggers can do it, I can try. I went into the interview, you know, nervous because I didn't really have any sales background uh, and I didn't realize they're the, literally the top sales training company in the world for college kids. They work with, they worked with probably a million and a half college kids over the last 70 years. They're the Rolex of knives. They'll do $300 million this year as a privately owned company. And um, they, they're like the owners of the company are like the solid. like, you know, like I have a handshake deal with them for the last 19 years. People are like, Hey John, what's the hot new, like the New York times interviewed us. And they're like, what's the hot new sexy gift. And I was like the stupid knives. And they thought I was joking. And I was like, no, we sell millions of dollars of the knives to this day. Like, it's still one of our most important partners on our outsourced gifting agency. But, um, but when I started with them, it was their, their internship program. So, like, Northwestern Mutual has an internship and Enterprise Rent-A-Car kind of has a college kids internship. Cutco has the same thing. And um, I was hoping it would last the summertime. My mom, I remember saying, her being like, John, nobody can afford these knives in our family. Are you, you're going to starve. And I'm like, Mom, that's not the pep talk I'm looking for. But at 20, I go in, I do 40 appointments on my first 10 days. I get this amazing training and I was motivated. I was like, I'm going to give it every ounce I have for six weeks. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But my life changed a lot because of that experience combined with a mentor. It was my girlfriend's dad and he was a rainmaker attorney. Like every deal in town came his way. He had referrals coming out of his ears. And I saw him always buying things for people, not as a tactic. It wasn't like a sales tactic. It's just who he was. He was he, like radical generosity. The term we use is like Paul embodied. And I pitched him the idea of giving away po- uh, pocket knives to a hundred of his clients who are like financial advisors, lumber yards, insurance companies. And he changed my life forever. He's like, John, I don't want to wear pocket knives. I want to order a hundred of the paring knives. And I'm like, Paul, these are all CEOs of million and billion dollar companies. Why would you give them a kitchen tool? And he said, John, in 40 years in business, the reason I have more deal flow, access, referrals, opportunity is I found out one simple truth. And that's if you take care of the family in business, everything else takes care of itself. So I, 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 to this day, like it's not about the stupid knives. The knives are just the delivery vehicle to make somebody feel an emotion and a connection and realize that you actually care about them, whether they're an employee or client. But the knives are really awesome because they they cover you know most humans eat and breaking bread even you know go back to the you know the Last Supper like breaking bread is where like things are at and uh, and so for me it became this training ground to learn about how to build relationships and you know instead of buying beer as a 20 twenty one year old I would find out a CEO of a two hundred million dollar company I'd want to get a meeting with and I would spend three hundred dollars on a carving set personalized to the CEO and their spouse and I'd put a handwritten note inside that said. Are about five minutes for me. I promise it'll be worth your time. I package it up in my dorm room at 21. I mail it off, and uh, two weeks later, I get a phone call from the assistant. I get the meeting, and I, I go in there. The CEO 65. I wear the one suit I have. It's a mahogany boardroom, and the guy's jaw hits the ground. He's like, "Are you the John Ruhl that sent me the knives?" And I'm like, "Yeah," and he's like, uh, "I thought you'd be like 55 some season sales exec." I'm really confused. Are you here to sell me knives? And I remember laughing, nervously, and I'm like, no, I'm here to help you and your 1,000 sales reps do exactly what I did to you to your top 10,000 relationships. And he's like, you're good. And uh, long story short, I walked out of there with a PO for 1,000 knife sets. And by the time I was a senior in college, cut out of a million and a half people in 70 years, I'd become Cutco's number one distributor in the history of the company. Not because I'm a salesperson, but because I started to teach people how to use gifting and gratitude as a marketing tool to really genuinely deepen relationships and get people to become salespeople for them, and uh, we built a whole business. You know, our agency to this day is really built on the principles I learned 20 years ago from this small country attorney. But it's it's landed us some pretty significant opportunities over the last 20 years.
0: I like that. I, a question: You had some training. You said early on from Cutco. How different do you think their training is today than when you started versus some of the things that you've been able to see becoming the number one rep out of, you know, a million and a
1: half or so? Like, do you see some things that maybe they've learned from you as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, I still, what's funny is um, I hated speaking. I'd have diarrhea for six months leading up to any speaking engagement. I'd speak once a year for Cutco as a give back to them. They thought it was insane at first. They thought I was, the, the orders were fraud. Like I was selling them on eBay or whatever else but I built a relationship with the owners of the company to the point where they actually were like, man, there's an opportunity here that goes beyond what we've done. And so we've helped them build a division that does, you know, is now the largest real estate closing gift company in the country doing $15 million. We helped them get into Costco in the roadshow that's inside of Costco. It's one of the best selling products that'll do you know tens of millions of dollars a year. So they've latched onto the idea that, yeah, they've always believed in their product and they've always believed in their people. But the idea that knives could be this relationship building tool or that there could be other channels that they could leverage, like the owners of the company, kind of their right hand guy is one of my closest friends. And um, and I poured a lot into him and given him these crazy ideas and he's trusted me. And now there's a division of the company that will probably, you know, in five years do $100 million a year um, that we helped foster the idea of gratitude and giving back and generosity and, and, and how to build long-term relationships. So I would say that the core of how to sell hasn't changed a lot, but the the idea that a relationship, you could actually build a long-term relationship with a silly knife company and have, you know, generational relationships with people. I think that is an area where they realize, wow, it wasn't, it's not just a product, but it's a, there's, there's way more depth and opportunity there. So I think that um, it's one of the things I'm most proud of. It's one of the reasons I still have a handshake agreement and we still move a lot of their product is because I really believe in the values of who they are and the company and, and why they do what they do.
0: I think it's great. And you know, John, it's funny, like I'll go to my local mall and there'll be Cutco. There'll be just somebody, you know, selling Cutco and I got to remind myself after our uh, initial kind of conversation showed up on my door was this just beautiful box set and I let my wife kind of like just look at it first and she's like my name's on it like it was like personalized and so it wasn't my knife set it was our knife set and so it's so interesting it gets talked about as probably one of the like the coolest things in our kitchen and I think we've got a pretty you know sweet kitchen but she's like look at this cool knife you know we got sent to us and it's like got my name on and it. it's got our company and so I think from a perspective it's not a knife right it's it's the impact behind it. it's the conversation it's 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 everything that it does and so much more plus it is amazingly sharp it uh always works and and it's never dull and yeah. I know that there's never a dull conversation when it comes up so thank you for that by
1: the way I you're, we appreciate you're it. welcome yeah, it's 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 a true it's a true artifact. I mean, that's the goal is to to love on people, and you know, yeah, obviously we're all in business to make profit, but at at a, at a core level, like human beings, just want to connect with other humans, and we all, you know, we all want to be acknowledged and appreciated, and oftentimes the spouses and the assistants, what we call the inner circle, you know, whether it's your wife or somebody's husband or whether it's somebody's assistant, they're undervalued and underappreciated, and so you know. I, my budget started at $500 a month. And now this year will be about a half a million dollars. 80% of that is directed at not the executive, the influencer, it's people around them. Cause they're, they're usually not put on a pedestal way that they should. And usually they're the rock behind the person, supporting them, loving them, bad days, good days. And anytime I can, I, I mean, I learned it from Paul, like he treated the janitor and the receptionist at the same level of respect as he did the CEO. And I, I looked at him and I'm like, man, I want to be him when I'm 60. And, uh, and so the little things of taking care of the inner circle and, and, uh, you know, you can afford your own knives, most people you can afford whatever you're going to send them. It's the meaning behind it that really makes it land and makes it become a conversation piece. And at the end of the day, we all, you know, like businesses grow because of relationships and they grow because of being top of mind and brought into conversations that we know, oftentimes we don't deserve to be a part of.
0: I had a janitor. I went to my elementary school it was uh, Brooke Knoll in uh, Santa Cruz. And I used to go into the janitor's office all the time. And, and it was basically a closet, right? And it had yeah. mops and little bins to pick up trash. But he was always in there, and his name was Jim, and you could just have a conversation with him. And, and I reminded myself from an early age everybody deserves a conversation. There's nobody that you can't have one with and everybody is a human. They got a heartbeat and they want to connect. And they, I think we're all striving to be better and learn. And, and so I really like what Paul said to you because that really resonates with me. Everybody from the secretary to the janitor makes an impact at an organization. There's, yes, there's somebody that has the CEO or COO or CFO on their title or sales executive, but there's people that make all the magic happen behind them that don't get the credit. So I love what you're up to. Let's talk about your current company. Before we do that, you are also the author of Giftology. So I received that book and that isn't just your normal kind of book, doesn't show up on your desk in a normal like Amazon like container. Talk a little bit about I want to I go on the thread because I think there's something here that we're going to carve out just like you asked that gentleman to carve out five, five minutes of time for you today. I want to carve out a little bit because I, I want to talk about your company, talk about the companies that you've done stuff for. You've been featured in Fox News, Forbes, Fast Company, Inc., New York Times. Uh, you've done stuff with uh, UBS, uh, Raymond James, D.R. Horton, Keller Williams, Chicago Cubs, Caesars Palace. I mean, the list is endless. So I want to talk a little bit about it. Where was the idea behind taking a, a book and making it an experience?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I saw Paul, you know, create these experiences with silly things like noodles. Like he would, you know, most people, when they find a deal on noodles, they buy a, a case for themselves. Buy, Paul would buy, a, you know, a semi-load so everybody could experience it. And, you know, the truck shows up and it was a story. The story would spread far and wide. And I think Vaynerchuk just talked about this. He called it the Taylor Swift rule or whatever else. But I mean, we've been talking about this for 20 years. The idea that like she shows up at somebody's bar mitzvah or wedding and sings and she can't do that for everybody. But if she does it once, it becomes a story that gets shared everywhere. And she, she's developed this loyal tribe tribe of people. And I think that most people hold back their generosity because they're afraid of being taken advantage of. And they're like, well, that's not scalable. And Paul was just always good about doubling down and saying, what's the most I can do? That's just how he lived his life. And I remember I did it with my business cards early on because I couldn't afford a fancy brochure or a website. So I spent a dollar on my original business cards and people thought I was insane, but it was because it was a hundred times more than a typical business card. But that one little dollar would impact somebody to talk about me to somebody else, to the CEO, whatever else. And then that turned into $9 letterhead that was a sheet of steel. And when I came out with the book, I'm like, how many books are published on Amazon every week? And uh, they're like 30,000. And I'm like, you know, 30,000 books are being published a week. And I'm like, how are you going to stand out from all the digital noise, all the noise of books? I don't want this to be like, like, this is my life's work. I spent 20 years of blood, sweat, and tears. I'm like, what would the nicest book? What would, if Paul said, what's the best book on the planet? What's the most I can do? What would that look like? And so I set a goal of spending $200 per book. And I did it. I had them handmade and they, they were my personally monogrammed to Darren Hardy and to Seth Godin and to get, and some of them were clients. Some of them were partners. Some of them were just people who were mentors from afar. I never met before. And I made 50 of them personalized to them and their wife or their husband or whoever their significant other was. And they were put inside a custom made uh, leather bag inside a linen box. And uh, there with a handwritten note on a piece of steel. And I sent them off and I didn't ask for anything. I didn't say recommend my book. I didn't say I'd like to get an endorsement from you. I just said, thank you. Thank you for what you've put out into the world. I wanted you to have one of the first copies of my book. You've impacted me. And um, guys like Michael Hyatt, who get 5,000 books sent to them a year, that all of those books go to goodwill. He reached out and said, John, this is the nicest book. I've been in publishing for like 30 years. This is the nicest book I've ever seen. I bought 20 copies from my team. I want to bring you on the podcast. I didn't ask to be on his podcast. And so, what I realized is that most people would spend $200 on a bar tab for their buddies or at a conference, or they'll spend $2 million on trade shows or $5 million on Facebook ads. And me spending $200 on a book for 50 people that matter impact, increased my reputation and platform way beyond. So, $10,000 investment actually reached me seven figures worth of marketing or advertising. And we do the same thing with our gifts. Most people, they're, they're what a gift should cost, they do the math and they're like, oh, $23.15. And they send out an Amazon gift card. And, I, and instead, I'll take one person or 100 people and I'll send them a $5,000 gift and not ask for anything in return. And by doing that, I get the best marketing on the planet, which is I turn our clients and vendors and prospects without asking, I turn them into salespeople for me. So, I have thousands of people whether they receive the book or one of our gifts or our clients do the same, they model the same thing. We do it for them. And it's not rocket science. It's just, it's Seth Godin's concept of the purple cow. I find areas where everybody's having a pissing match at the highest levels. And I find the area that nobody thinks is significant. And instead of going one or 2% higher, I take it 10,000% higher. And when you can do that, you rise above the noise and now people do this, this selling for you. And that's, it's not rocket science, but if you do that, Whether it's with a book, letterhead, a gift, like it's amazing how you become the purple cow and how, you know, marketing becomes really interesting. uh, You
0: know, I uh, did a road trip, drove my uh, oldest out to college uh, from Colorado. We happened to go through Colorado, Utah, a little bit of Arizona, and we stayed the night at the Wynn in Las Vegas and um, then we traveled all the way to california and i got back and i got a survey what was your experience like you know they want to improve the experience and it's hard to give somebody higher than a 10 because they 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 figured there's they figured something out of like you know how to give you an experience from every piece and like you know somebody asked me what'd you have for dinner i'm like hey, chinese i went to Uh, Red 8, it was incredible. I sat at a community table. I was a little frustrated at first that they didn't have a seat, but then I sat at this table and I networked my butt off and I met great people who run a a trial uh, lawyer business and another one who wrote software similar to what we use as our ERP system. And I'm like, it's all about experiences. Like, they created a community table. My first thought is, like, it's a community table. Why do I want to sit there? I'm like, you know, I'm at a really nice place. And long story, I got, I was able to network with multiple people. My son got a chance to see networking happen kind of in front of him. He was able to network and there was commonalities behind everybody. But you know what the common theme was? We were all at the win. And the reason we were all at the win is because of the experience. We weren't there for any other reason. Everybody's had a phenomenal experience and they're, they're in the win eating. There's thousands of places you could go to even though you stayed there. And that's why, you know, John, one of the reasons when I got a chance to talk to you, it's all about finding that purple cow. It's finding something. There's a common thread with everybody. And I think everybody wants to be treated fairly. And they want to they wanna feel like they're special. They're made. They weren't just created to be average. They were created to be phenomenal. And what you're doing today is phenomenal because it's missing. I, I love the fact that there's something different that you're
1: doing and making people have a better experience. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the win. I mean, every hotel has four walls and a bed, right? I mean, but they can charge $400 a night and Motel 6 charges $40 a night. They can charge 10 times more because of who they're attracting and the experience that they're creating. And so there is a, you know, a very nuts and bolts profitable metric there, but oh. actually doing it consistently at the level of a win is not easy. And so most people just kind of mail it in and say, "Well, oh, let's just compete on price and be average uh, versus Doing what Wynn does, which is amazing. No, and John, you know, I got to tell
0: you, I'm going to take a break, but we were going to come back. I want to talk a little bit about all the stuff that you're up to because I I think it's phenomenal. You've gone out, you've figured out a way, you've got an agency, you're helping big organizations, not little ones, big ones. And I want to talk more about that. And I didn't get a chance to congratulate you, but congratulations on number four. That's uh, super exciting. I want to learn more about that because. I had two and I only had two hands, and it was hard to hold on. So I want to figure out when we come back how you're going to do four. I've heard some stuff going from three to four. Four is a lot easier than three. And we'll be right back with uh, John Rulin today on the Be Fulfilled podcast show.
2: You may have heard the saying, think before you speak. Well, when it comes to vision, a little known thing that just involuntarily happens is that you hear before you see. Let me explain. It's amazing how the senses combine and create this assimilated information from multiple sources. So, your ears look before your eyes do, and move up to 10 milliseconds before your eyes turn. That's pretty wild. I can only assume that when you tell somebody to look at something, you're going to be staring at their ears. And if they ask why, just tell them what you learned. Spread the interesting, possibly useless, but intriguing information now let's get back to the good stuff here's tony and john hey it's tony grubmeyer today uh
0: talking with john rulin uh giftology and this gentleman goes above and beyond i think you know i have a gift game and he he literally took it like blew me out of the water and i'm just sitting here today with my my jaws dropped as every time he's just saying something i'm like yeah i should be doing that yeah that'd be good (laughs) i don't know why i haven't done that yet well because i'm not thinking big enough and I don't necessarily know if I'm thinking big enough. I'm not thinking smart enough. So, John, welcome back to the
1: show. Yeah, man. Thanks. This has been awesome.
0: So, um, you know, lots of stuff going on in your business. A new baby on the way. Just when you look at your business right now, where you're at, kind of all the stuff you've been up to, what's something that you're just really excited about?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I, um, a lot of people, you know, what's funny is we, they hear the, the list of clients that we work with and they assume that we only work with Fortune 500 companies and we're actually, I'm uh, being the guy who bootstrapped the business. I didn't take any outside funding over the last 19 years myself. And I sold half of it to a business partner. You know, we're, I'm all about working with the David. I, you know, I love going up against the publicly traded company, you know, $5 million, $10 million company going up against a company that's 500 million. They can't outspend their competitor. And so we're like, man, you know, people hire our agency to do all their gifting for them. But what about the guy who's maybe doing 200 grand that wants to go figure out a way to do it on their own? Uh, or somebody else. And so we, we said, we create a program or a download. And, um, you know, a lot of people charge for their courses and all that kind of stuff. We do have char- courses that we charge for, but we put together, you know, being a giftologist, this is a, it would be free for your tribe, but if they go to giftologyplan.com, it's basically 19 years worth of what we walk all of our, our big clients through. Why are you sending gifts? Most people want to start with what to send, and the gift itself is 50% of the impact. Most people don't know why they're sending gifts. They really don't, haven't bucketized all of their different relationships to say, you know what, maybe I should be giving a nicer gift to my vendors because I don't have a business without vendors. And we walk people through that entire process with video series and, and here's the downloads and whatever else. So if your tribe wants to get it, it's, uh, it's free right now. It's, it's our gift to people. Because we really are, like, even though I love working with the Cubs, like, I get excited about taking a $10 million company and growing them to $30 using our, our methodology because I, I realize, like, I, I've always been a little guy bootstrapping it mm. and I uh, didn't have unlimited funds. So, one more time, the website? Giftology. So, the book, Giftology plan all one word, dot com.
0: And we'll make sure the show links today. If you're listening on a plane train or an automobile, wherever you're at, there'll, there'll be a download at tonygrubmeyer.com and we'll make sure you get that. Hey, you know, John, I got to tell you, just taking my two kids to college. I can't even imagine uh, when you mentioned number four, what uh, <laughs> it's super exciting. Don't get me wrong. Super exciting. But I kind of got a little sweat drip from my, my head. I was like, wow, four kids um what's it been like with three as you prep now for four what's it been like of an experience because I've heard mixed things about people who have three kids like sometimes if you're left alone it's kind of hard to keep them all together
1: yeah yeah What's what's the Jim Gaffigan a bit it's like what's it like to have three or four kids it's like you're drowning and then somebody throws you a kid yeah I mean there is an element of that I will say that you know that my wife takes the brunt of things like she she was you know corporate marketing for a fortune 100 company super smart gal you know she she sacrificed to go stay home and and be full-time mom and without that it's not possible in my eyes to be able to, to have a so-called balanced business work-life balance and she really is the glue that keeps us all together the rock like i'm the big vision guy but she's the detail person that makes sure mm. things happen you know I should be like wearing the same you know clothes every single day you know like would be eating the same thing she creates variety and fullness and all of that so you mean mac and cheese now i'm a very
2: active
1: seven days exactly yeah exactly same thing over and over again yep um so i'm fortunate to have her um and and, you know frankly like i'm i my mom came from one of 13 kids and her mom came from one of 13 so i think when you come from big families you like, look at like four and you're like, we're not even a third of the way there to our two grandmothers, like what they did. So like, you know, it seems small, like in our little little world, I have 62 first cousins on one side of the family. But I told her all along, I said, Linz, if I was having the kids, we'd stop at zero. Because like, my pain tolerance sucks. Like, I see what you went through for the first one. Like, I don't think we would, like we would have kept going. Like her ability to be superhuman is just incredible. And so, but it's made me, you know, like I, I used to come home at six, seven, eight. I used to travel 15 days a month. I'm down to six days a month of travel. I come home at four thirty most days. So I can be involved with dinner. You know, I cook dinner most nights, dinner, bath time, bedtime, cuddling on the couch, reading. Like I'm way more active than I think, you know, like generations past because I realized like, it's not really fair that your, you know, your wife carries the baby and then nurses the baby for two years and then like takes care of all the stuff. Like I've tried to be more hands-on and it still, it still feels like I'm like contributing 5% to her 95%. But, and then, you know, frankly, the other thing that we've done is I thought it was insane. Like my mom somehow pieced it together and survived with six kids, but we have help. Uh, we have a girl who's going to get ready to go to med school, who's living with us and she's like a darling. And, and so we have help to, to sub in and to give my, you know, ourselves breaks for date nights. And, you know, like I, I tell people like, I used to think there was like a badge of honor if you like do it all on your own, and I've realized now like that, that's what a stupid thing like you know why would you just barely survive things like if you have access to tools and thought processes and ways to make it better, let's enjoy it. Let's not just get to the end of it and be like you know while that sucked like now let's enjoy grandkids. Like I want to enjoy my girls all the way through, and so I've realized making investments at home that I once thought were luxuries are now becoming. A part of the overall plan. So I don't know if that's what you're looking for, but that, those are some insights thoughts, or thoughts
0: No, definitely. When you think about something fun that you've given your get, your wife over the years, what's some kind of gift that comes to mind that would be different than like flowers or a little posted note? Thank you. What is some like besides your time? What kind of gift can you think back? Maybe you've given your wife.
1: Yeah, her love language is quality time. If you read the the book, The Five Love Languages, Gary Chapman's book, and so that is that is one of them. But one of the things I did. Which, by the way, being married to the giftologist, like, she knows every hack and shortcut and she can call me on my BS. So, like, <laughs> and she knows, like, when I've really put thought into something or whether I've, like, tried to hack my way with my own, like, giftology marketing system. And so, it's, she, it, she's the most difficult person I have to buy a gift for, period, end of story. But something I did years ago I realized like when she go to the store, like Lululemon or Athleta or whatever, she would never have time to try on clothes. So she'd buy stuff and have to take things back or order through the mail and go to the UPS store. So I went there and I bought $3,000 worth of, of clothes in her size. I brought it home and I set it up in our guest bedroom. And I said, honey, you can go down, keep it all, take it all back. I'll take it all back. Like, but you can take as many hours as you want to go try on whatever clothes you want at the leisure. And it's all in your size. And I picked up stuff I thought you'd like. And I picked up stuff, you know, like hopefully it's what you like. And she was blown away because she could actually take the time. Like she's a detail-oriented person and she doesn't like to be rushed and to be able to be calm in her own home, not a dressing room. You know, she probably only kept $500 worth of stuff, but the idea that she could keep as much as she wanted. And it was really the gift at a core level, which was really what all gifts should be. It was all about her, not about me and, uh, when you can gift that way, like, uh, I earned some, some brownie points that day.
0: I like that. You just set the bar really,
1: really high for us. Average people. Uh, <laughs> uh, next yeah, time. I, I bomb too. I, I mean, not every gift is at that level. There's been some times where my wife is like, can't you just be a normal human? How about you know, like, can we just go out for dinner? Like, why do you got to make everything a production? Why so, is the-, the Eiffel
0: tower in our backyard? Like <laughs> seriously. <laughs> yeah. I love exactly. it. Exactly. I love it, John. Hey, I want to I want to jam you into uh, the fulfillment round. I got some questions. All I really need you to do is is not like you haven't been on this, but play along. We'll see where we can go. Uh, Random yeah. questions. If you're ready, just say
2: I'm ready. I'm ready, man. And now it's time for the fulfillment round. No phoning friend. No using the Google machine. No digging into storage for the Encyclopedia Britannica. And I promise, Tony won't make you cry. And if you don't know the answer, just make it up. The Fulfillment Round brought to you by shipoffers.com for all your product and fulfillment needs. Now, Tony, you ready to ask some questions? All right. You get a
0: day to spend with uh, each one of these people. You can—you only get to spend your time with one of them, though, quality time. You got to shake the hands of the other two. Would you rather spend a day with Ryan Daniel Moran, Kanye West, or Taylor Swift?
2: Um,
1: Wow well Ryan Daniel Moran I've I've hung out with for multiple days so I I, uh, that bucket list item has been checked so um, I'm gonna I'm gonna choose um, my girls would think it's the coolest if I if I hung out with Taylor Swift so I'm gonna choose Taylor Swift I like it what
0: happens if Taylor Swift asks you to be in a a video and you could bring your girls would you say yes to that a thousand percent. All right, cool. Uh, if you go out, are you more
1: likely to grab an iced tea or an iced coffee? Iced coffee. Cold brew is one of my favorite. I, I'm a, I, feel, I feel like I'm a connoisseur and I try it everywhere I go. And ironically enough, the small town of Edwardsville at Artisan Bakery is what in my mind and my wife's mind is the best cold brew I've ever tasted in the world. I keep telling them they should go bottle it, um, but I'm definitely an iced coffee guy. I like it. So, we just gave a
0: big shout out there. Uh, flip-flops or hiking boots? Flip-flops. I'm wearing, uh, well,
1: here we go. Oh, look, right there, baby. Uh, that's, I uh, like it. Almost everywhere. Did you ever have it when you were younger, the, the flip-flops that had the bottle opener on the bottom? I did not. We, we, were, uh, we got the garage sale specials, which was whatever was a dime that, that my mom could pick up. Uh, that's, that's my had.
0: All right. This is an honest question you can pass if you'd like. Have you ever driven faster than 130 miles an hour in a car?
1: Yes. What kind of car? I was in a, well, I think it was 130. I, I, I took a Tesla out and then I took a, um, I did the BMW driving school and, uh, and drove that car. And I think it was over 130. So yeah, I, I love fast cars. My dad, I got that from my dad. I don't own any, I think it's, uh, I'd, I'd rather do other things with my money, but I sure enjoy uh, renting them for a weekend or uh, or going on a
0: track. Adrenaline, being somebody like, if you've gone fast multiple times, do you want to go faster or do you find that like, oh, that's good, but I don't need to stay at that speed?
1: To me, it was the most fun and scary. I thought I was driving it really hard, was putting the professional driver in the car. And that's when like uh, the, the amount of puckering in my um, <laughs> Uh, my butt um, definitely was, uh, I, I was like, holy crap. I, I was doing one tenth what this car could do. And that was like, dry. I was unbelievable. I thought
0: I was going to die. Perfect question. How does that correlate to human experience and knowing that we're maybe not using our full potential? Knowing what you know now, seeing what you've
1: seen, the stuff that you've done. I, I think it's, uh, I think it's spot on. I, I, I mean, I never thought I'd ever speak on a stage. Uh, I hated it. And you know, I feel actually first time ever and only time anybody's ever prophesied to me that didn't know me uh, 10 years ago or 12 years ago on a golf course. And I see the impact that we're having and things I'm doing that 10 years ago would have been an impossibility. And I still feel like I'm still scratching the surface of what's possible and playing small. So I think as a whole, and when you see guys like Elon Musk who are running like SpaceX and Tesla and all those sorts of things and some of the things they're talking about or, or Bezos is another example I'm like guys are playing on another planet but they're human beings and they uh so yeah I think most people are under playing their
0: hand yeah our our potential is limitless but what we tap into is seems so limited because I I don't know I I was literally kind of had this epiphany the other day Jesse Itzler a guy who I follow online and have met a couple times you know keeps pushing his body to new limits and I think there's something really cool when you step back and you look at somebody and you're like that person was a little kid once that person was the one who said you know your kids never gonna amount to much or got picked on and bullied and then found something I'm listening to the David Goggins book and just like going to the next level of having the capacity to expand ourselves versus limit ourselves and so John I just want to say thank you I really appreciate you coming on today we'll throw all the links Uh, into the show notes. Uh, Congratulations on everything you got going on. Love to hear what you're up to. Love that you're changing the world, making it a better place. And you're thinking about the little person, not necessarily the person just on top, but all the people because we all do matter and uh, your time today has has been impactful. So I want to say thanks again for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Tony.
1: This has been a blast, dude. All
0: right. That is John Rulin, Giftology. I'll put all the links in the show notes. All you have to do is check out tonygrubmeyer.com to find out more. And Ryan, we love you. Kanye, sorry we didn't pick you, but Taylor Swift and and the kids are gonna go hang out. Hopefully we're gonna make that happen. I'm gonna try to work my magic to see if I can get you somehow introduced to Taylor Swift uh, and and we'll, we'll do something. All right, until next time, I'm Tony Grabmeyer. Go make today the absolute best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life?